You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, 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 folks. Got a special one for you today. I'm really excited about this one. I've been sitting on it for a while, although sitting on it wasn't intentional, so let me clarify some of that before we get into everything. So today's episode is with one of my very favorite artists, Mr. Dave Haas. He's played with The Loved Ones and a bunch of other bands and is currently making music under the band Dave Haas and the Mermaid, his brother Tim, and a bunch of other amazing musicians. Really, really great stuff. I love his songwriting and yeah, been a fan for years. So this was a really, really huge treat to get to do. I recorded it back in February. I believe it's February. My brain's not completely failing. Before COVID and before everything just went completely insane. Before 2020 was 2020 as we know it today. And uh, man, it was awesome. And I cannot wait to get back to doing these kinds of interviews in person and in the venue, venue, venue. Uh, sorry, it's kind of late and I'm tired. I always record these late at night and I need to stop doing that. I need to record them when I'm fresh and funky. Anyhow, uh, sitting down with Dave was awesome. I sat down with him in the back of Mississippi studios here in Portland, which is a great venue. I've caught a couple bands that I really enjoyed, including Sturgill Simpson back in the day. So yeah, good stuff. And joining me on this episode is my wife, Lynn. Unfortunately, this is part of the reason why this has been so delayed. She was recording on a separate device, and I forgot to hit save with her audio. So you can hear her. You can hear her through the other microphones, but it's not as distinct or as professional as I would like it to sound because I don't have her direct file because I'm a moron. So... But yeah, you've all been listening to this long enough to know that I'm a moron, so you shouldn't be all that surprised. Unless you're a brand new listener, in which case, I'm sorry, I'm not very smart. But, uh, you know, it was a really good conversation. We had some, again, this is why this one got backburnered a little bit, because it required some more audio massaging to make it work. We were recording in the green room of Mississippi Studios, and it's not exactly closed off from the venue. There is a door on it, but it's just a metal, like, wrought iron door with some metal mesh over it and sound just goes right through there so while Northcote which is another amazing group while they were sound checking we were recording this and there really wasn't anywhere else for us to go it was pouring down rain outside so we just kind of had to make do with what we had so it took a lot of audio massaging to make it acceptable it's not up to my usual standards but at the same time Kind of gives it that nice vibe. So you might hear some things change here and there. We do about 15 minutes. We swap positions and try to find something else. Or excuse me, try to find another spot. Didn't work out. So I adjusted the levels on my recording device and tried to make the best of it. So 
hopefully this is good enough for you guys. I I personally would listen to this, so that's always my standard. Would you listen to this? Yeah, I would. But it's not up to the uh, the standards I usually shoot for. But as such, with live recordings, anything could happen, and that's just what happens sometimes. I'll just say happens like 400 times in this intro. Anyway, let's uh, wrap this up real quick. But before I do, I want to remind you all about the giveaway that we're doing. Uh, if you go to pedalraffle.com, you can see all the details. That is going until this Friday, the 26th. I know this episode's dropping a little bit late, but you still have a few days to go enter that raffle, and that will help so many people. It's helping two very important organizations in Minneapolis, and uh, I don't want to you know, make this intro even longer than it already is, but go to pedalraffle.com for your chance to win 10 pedals and a guitar. Let's just leave it at that. If you're curious, go to pedalraffle.com. All the details are there. And I will stop talking so I can start talking to Mr. Dave Hawes. Here we go. Boom. I, I've just always just assumed, like, once you're doing twins, that's got to be the hardest thing. <laughs> Initially, I yeah. think, but then you they have a buddy and you well, know it's at a certain point I can see it getting a little yeah, it's starting to tilt maybe in that direction because yeah. they're almost 14 months they like to play yeah, yeah, time. yeah see that's what's great right now like our four-year-old will just you know we're like be nice to the baby and so the baby just yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they, yeah, they definitely are pulling each other's hair and pushing each other over. But you know, it, it's to some degree like they definitely learn how to share before others. You know, yeah, it's, it's like they don't know any different. Yeah, have to, they have to do that. Yeah, it's wild. Has it been like a big adjustment for you mentally to be out doing this when yeah. you have the kids? It's, it's it's one of the harder um shifts because i mean even just logistically to go from getting up at 5 30 in the morning and going to bed at like nine mm -hmm. we're going on at nine or ten this, right. this tour started on the west coast and so my schedule is like i'm like what do you mean we're going on at 10 <laughs> and uh should be someone yeah whereas in europe or on the east coast it's a little easier because of the time difference right um that's that's just like the logistical thing but like spiritually one thing i've found to be difficult is um i mean to not i i guess like the selflessness of being a parent when i'm home and my wife's working like i'm there all day you know and sometimes you don't even get out of your sweatpants you know <laughs> you're just like in the mix with the kids and it's really selfless and and i love that about it and um it zeroes out your ego entirely. But we just got, we had like four months off and then started a tour with like a sold out show in Cologne. And um, the hardest thing about the first show other than like jet lag and stuff like that was getting into the, um, into the headspace of being like a quote unquote front front man, you know, mm -hmm. and leading, uh, you know, five or 600 people into the night, you right. know, where yeah, it's like, like on a journey sort you, of, well, yeah, you need a certain amount of courage and, uh, look at me kind of, 
uh, energy or whatever that is. Like you hope it's in its purest form, but that's not what you need when you have children. You need right. the opposite of that. So <laughs> that shift has been an interesting uh, seesaw, but uh, I do feel a little bit of whiplash from it. You know, like I love that this is my job and, and I feel grateful for it. And But, you know, beyond that, by a long stretch, I feel grateful for my children. So, but synthesizing those two realities has been difficult. I can imagine. I I can only relate on the tiniest of degrees because I don't I don't tour around like that frequently. R- right, right. I travel a little more for work than I used to, and I was just down at at Winter Nam mm-hmm. in in uh, Anaheim. And as soon as I get to the show, we like are hopping out of the car to walk in. You know, my you know, he was nine months old at the time or eight something like I, I lose track of that stuff but yeah yeah he had said dada a few months prior and i was like oh that's great but then he wouldn't say it ever again sure and then she sends me a like a live video as soon as i'm like walking into the show and he's dad 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 <laughs> i'm like ah what am i doing here yeah yeah well i think i think that you have to for, for me it's been um a recalibration of priorities and a re um like dedication to doing this for the best reasons you know on like on on one level this is what i do to help provide for them right so i can i can sort of lean on that a little bit if i'm feeling irresponsible or you know missing them or feeling like i'm not there and i think on the other side of it is you know it's important to think about the kind of parent or the kind of adult that you want your children to be mm-hmm. and hopefully um, the best parts of this business or whatever you want to say or the best parts of this kind of work makes an imprint on the children and you know music has been a lifeline to me and so just, I'm hoping that when the dust settles and they're uh, into their adult life and things like that they can say like well my dad tried to do something positive with right. his time you know because mm-hmm. I'm not David Lee Roth, you know, like I'm not chasing uh, that rock and roll carrot as much, you know, I'm more trying to make a connection and give people um, something that is bigger than all of us. You know, that that's the hope is that there's some kind of, um, yeah, I don't know that there's some, something bigger in, in all this endeavor than, than just like a, a night out or, Mm-hmm. You know, people trying to get laid or whatever. You know, <laughs> like you hope that there's something a, a, a kernel there that more that you can sink your teeth into. Well, I think I I personally can vouch for us sitting here right now. We've been fans for quite a long time. So, uh, one, in fact, I I I was told I I said, talked about this on another podcast. I can't remember who I was talking to about it though. But we we sort of pirated slash downloaded off YouTube the uh, revival tour when you were on it and that was filmed in Germany oh, in cool. 2011 I believe yeah and I every performance on that was just fantastic but I, I think that I listened to yours maybe more than any of the others there was something about there's always just been an earnestness with what you do that comes through and I don't know how much of that is hyper intentional or it's just is what it is i uh. it's funny you say that because i think to some degree that is like a detriment sometimes commercial commercially right <laughs> <laughs> you know like i think people uh, uh there's a lot of people who listen to guitar music that want it to be cooler or something you know or like more detached right and for me like that my heroes don't don't really detach like they're 
in it and they play for their like their lives depend on it mm -hmm. and uh that's kind of just the way that i've approached it i don't know for better or for worse but i'm glad it it cut through to you and that something about that was was you know like struck a chord for you that's cool yeah it's it it i mean and it, it's 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 a thread going through because there are bands that i didn't realize you were a part of i was a fan of your solo stuff and the loved ones and then i found out later that there were bands i was also en enjoyed that you were involved in oh, that no i didn't kidding. realize that you were in like oh wow the falcon and yeah. you know, paint it black and, and right, some of that right. stuff. I was like, I didn't know Dave was in that. Like, yeah, I don't know if I was in it at the points where you liked them, though. I guess <laughs> like that's the, that's one of the questions to answer. But it, just real quick, is that gonna mess you up? I'm guessing that it's probably gonna be okay, and okay. unless there's a quieter spot, we that it's easy to get into. Not that I know of. Okay, the one will be fine. Oh, or maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, just, it's actually quite a nice. It sounds nice. It's like yeah, we're like in a. In like a, the dream sequence of a Netflix show or something. Yeah. <laughs> Since we're going to hang out here, we might as well tell people what's going on. We're kind of in, is this technically the green room, I guess? Yes, this is the, the red green room. The red, green, and blue room. Uh, and there's a steel door on it that's like a mesh steel door. And so we get to hear Northcote soundcheck while we're doing this interview, which is actually quite enjoyable. Yeah, so, he's terrific. He's their, their thing is so... So pleasing to the ear. It's so. very nice. Hopefully, very it doesn't nice. interrupt our conversation. I, uh, yeah, we just start gazing off into the yeah, right, into the right. night. <laughs> but supposedly, this is a guitar podcast. Uh, I or so I tell people, and then we go off into any kind of random tangent that happens. But right. let's talk about gear a little bit. So I noticed you were playing a Sweet Junior, but I want to take I want to take a little bit of a journey. Like, <laughs> what did you start playing on? And what was, what was the, the, the very first guitar? Yeah, very first. Well, my dad had this old like Sears Harmony guitar that he learned on mm -hmm. that I I started to learn on, and the, so I learned maybe three chords on that thing, and it was hard to play and kind of of course you know kind of a mess. But then I wanted to get an Ibanez. It was that era like of Joe Satriani and all that okay, stuff, yeah. and. The you know, shreddy. That was like somewhere between the BC Rich that I wanted and what my dad thought I should get, which was like a Strat. And he was obviously right. <laughs> um, yeah, BC Rich, it, you know, as your first guitar would have been terrible. So it was this Ibanez. Um, it's still somewhere. And, you know, it's not like a great first guitar. The Harmony is actually the better. The Harmonies are cool. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, then I bought another Ibanez like with some lawn mow mowing money because I was getting into like really playing fast and, mm -hmm. you know, shreddy kind of stuff. But this was all probably like, I don't know, this was maybe all in the first couple years, like from 12 to 15 maybe. Okay. And then um, the great fortune came along of uh, a family friend who worked for the Philadelphia Fire Department. Okay. Uh, knew a guy, a chief, who had an old, quote-unquote, old guitar that he had left under his bed. And it was a 71 uh, SG. Oh. That was in great, with a Bigsby on it. And it was in great condition. And he had all these vintage pedals as well that he was like, ah, all that stuff. Like, can you give me 300 bucks for all of it? And you're like, yeah. And my dad, <laughs> uh, my dad was kind of more hip to what was going on. Right. Than I was. Because um, my dad has always had great gear just by virtue of when he bought it. You know, like he has a 65 Deluxe Reverb. That's oh, where wow. I got the idea, you know, for, for what I essentially play now. Right. 
and um, he had a bandmaster that we would like try to play heavy metal through you know so <laughs> of course it was uh it was always like i wanted to play harder and the gear that my dad had and the influence that my dad had has always pulled me back right <laughs> and sort of landed at this whatever this is this sort of middle ground yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's i didn't actually just realize that right the second <laughs> <laughs> that trying to play uh punk and heavy metal through a uh bandmaster yeah Somewhere in the middle, like maybe you end up with something cool. Something I don't know. Something unique, something special. Yeah. So anyway, I got that SG and then I was playing hardcore and stuff and, and had a bunch of SGs and still love them, um, but made my way through to um, getting my first P90 guitar. Mm, so yeah. that was, I figured out P90s when I made the first Love Ones record. The producer had like a melody maker that Gibson was making for a couple of years, like in the early 2000s. That was just, it was a melody maker, but it was more like a junior. Right. It was those like, you know, matte finish. Oh, I know what you're talking toy about. guitars yes. with a really cool thin headstock. Yes. And I loved it. And um, it was really the P90 that I fell in love with and the, and the simplicity of that guitar. And so I bought one of those and then bought another one of those and then bought like a, a reissue junior. And that was kind of my thing for for most of the loved ones. I got an, a Les Paul that I ended up selling. It's too heavy. And and really the P90 is what I always come back to. Right. And then I got into playing acoustic guitar, you know, and performing that way. So it was a couple Martins and stuff like that. So, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that, that that's kind of the journey was some Ibanez's, some SG's, mm -hmm. and then P90's was yeah. what I started to focus in on. That makes a lot of sense. Like, knowing what the those Loved Ones records sound like, like, oh, yeah, that is totally a P90. Like, Yeah, well, again, you know, what we were I thought we were doing was playing rock and roll music. and But we were punk rockers and, and hardcore right. guys. And so our version of that was still way too fast and way too loud and way too... Um, like what what our target was like we thought we we're like let's not do a band that sounds like what we've done before like right. let's try to play like Chuck Berry mm -hmm. and it doesn't sound like Chuck Berry at all <laughs> it just is like three people in their mid-twenties trying to go for what we were like kind of raised on but shown through this prism of of like having learned to play our instruments in punk bands right so that's kind of how we ended up at that sound and it's almost like you couldn't you couldn't really repeat it in a weird way i can relate to that and in, in a big way like yeah the, the we, my band made one record and it's like you can totally tell at least to me i like you can tell when i'm playing uh -huh. it's just like what are you doing <laughs> you know like, <laughs> yeah like you're trying to make like a, a 90s grunge thing and it's just you're just blasting way too fast and yeah you know, doing weird things but uh i can understand that because a lot of my influences well were, was what you guys were doing and bouncing souls and things yeah. like that so that that was big for me at the time and still is so yeah that's sort of for me the the main thing i've always gravitated towards is rock and roll mm -hmm. it's less punk you know like the souls to me are a rock and roll band like clearly they're they wear the badge of punk rock. They love being punk rockers and mm -hmm. all this stuff. But the thing that keeps me there is the songs. Yes. And the fact that in 
for all intents and purposes, they're kind of just a souped-up rock and roll band, just right. like Social Distortion or totally or Hot Water Music to some degree. You know, like that's what I'm always because it's got there's a little bit of uh, the it's the role that you need the role in rock and roll. Like, a lot of people can rock, right? But you need a little bit of that role, which is mm-hmm. a lot of times um, like a soulful approach and. That's kind of what we were going for and still what I'm kind of going for. But, you know, once you kind of get really going and, and creating your thing, you end up just, it comes out the way it comes out. Right. It just is what it is. Yeah. Like. You just realize, damn it, mm-hmm. we're never going to sound like Chuck Berry. Yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> only one Chuck Berry. That's know? right. That's, That's right. how it goes. So do you remember, I wanted to ask you this earlier, but do you remember what some of those old pedals were that came with the SG? Oh, yeah. They were like Big Muff and... Um, uh, there was an old wah. I can't remember. My dad pretty much right away sold the, a couple of the pedals, and it which paid the three hundred bucks back. Right, of course, because uh, he's not. He wasn't really going to use all these old pedals. Like at that point, this was probably in the mid nineties. Yeah, so that was, was kind of before it pedal culture kind of oh, took yeah, off. Oh yeah, right? yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like later, I've gone. Where are those? Pe- where are those pedals? You know, <laughs> right. ten years later. <laughs> But um, are you sure this isn't too loud? That might be. Uh, it was a little quieter before. Let me let me check. Yeah. So I uh, changed some settings on my recording device to try to minimize the background noise. There's still some there. Um, not much we could do about it given the situation. It was pouring down rain outside or we would have went outside. And uh, yeah, that's just what happens when the green room basically doesn't have a door has a screen door on it for all intents and purposes but that is just how recording on location goes sometimes so here is the rest of the episode okay restart where were we i forgot uh we were talking oh, about pedals about pedals. um pedals yes <laughs> pedal I, culture yes yeah, so he sold those pedals but did you you did you get into pedals? Some guys aren't that into effects. I'm kind of a nerd about them. Um, not not really. Uh, over the last couple of years, um, my pedal board was pretty much just uh, um, like a Klon clone, mm-hmm. a Boost, a Maxon um, analog uh, delay. Oh yeah, those are great. And yeah, those are cool. And then um, another digital delay like that. Um, the people at Seymour Duncan gave me that mm-hmm. I just put on the board to kind of get like the end of the song d- delay, like the wow wow, you know. Is like, that the Vapor Trail? Yeah, Vapor Trail. Oh, yeah, all right, yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's kind of was the extent. That's the most extensive it's gotten in the last couple of years. But I'm kind of a less is more person, you mm-hmm. know. Like I I uh, I end up. I mean, like, even trying to figure out where to eat in this neighborhood was, like, <laughs> so many options, you know? Yes. And I think that, you know, I mean, that's what people call, I guess, like, option fatigue or yeah, something. option paralysis. Ah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And um, I think that that's true for me with guitars, too, you know? Like, like even what Steven, like, in Northcote that we were just listening to, like, he can do, he can create this, like, delay kind of cloud over yeah. everything. It's so cool. And... If I can sit in a studio, I could probably do that and with the right pedal and figure it out. But like, I wouldn't know where to start. You know, like it would take like I would need a reference point. I guess is my okay. point. Um, so yeah, I haven't 
delved in. I should like right at the time in my career where I've had enough time to maybe do that. We had children, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was like, Oh, well we could take more breaks from touring and things are going well and so on. And then we had kids. So I'm like, I'll probably not for a little while yeah. be in like the lab coming up with pedaled sounds. Like I'll probably be like, how do I finish this song? Right. You right. Know? But, um, but they are cool. I mean, it's, it's a cool realm. It's a cool rabbit hole to fall down. It's a dangerous one. It's expensive. It's, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's so bad. But yeah, there are even, I mean, I keep talking about it cause I, it's weird to me still, but like there's even reverbs doing a pedal movie about all these builders. Oh and yeah. Stuff. Like, I heard about this. And yeah. And it's like, I'm like, wow, this has really changed from what it was. It's become such a weird, it sort weird of makes separate sense. Thing. It's the, it makes sense though. Like, uh, economically though, because amps, the big amps are kind of done, you know, yeah. like most people aren't buying like those giant 2000. Well, I guess they're just smaller $2,000. Right. But, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. Like it, it's it's a cool like new. F- you can buy buy a pedal and like suddenly have a different um, bit of palette that you can paint with. So I get it. It's like for a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks, you're like, okay, I'm in this whole other realm. Right. Yeah. Completely and that's changes cool. it. Yeah. You know that's that's something that uh, in in that trailer for that movie, Brian Wampler talked about Wampler pedals. He he was like they kind of started growing during the economic recession which is sort of counterintuitive yeah that makes sense to me yeah it was like because guitar players still want to nerd out and like buy stuff but i can't afford an you know two thousand dollar guitar right so like oh this two hundred dollar pedal will scratch that itch and they started scratching the itch better and better and better and better and to where it's like yeah they're like instruments into themselves now and it's true i mean there's definitely people who play the pedals Mm -hmm. and that is cool you know like that's Whatever gets the job done, yes. as far as I'm concerned, in terms of like, if you can move the needle for people emotionally with wood and or wires or pedals mm-hmm. or your laptop or whatever does it, get it. You know, yeah, get go after, after it. it. Do it. It's, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. It's all fun. So, what is it? Your approach to songwriting has it changed substantially over the years, or do you still kind of go at it the same way? I mean, I go at it every way that you can, but at fundamentally it's the same mm-hmm. it's it's uh you can try to write something compelling to me and push myself past the point of comfort and and cliche right and there somewhere in there there's like usually a kernel that you can chase mm-hmm. and then it's i think the hardest part is as you get older is like where the line between editor and songwriter where that where that starts how do you mean because if you over edit, you can like edit yourself out of a song. You know, like if if your if your critical mind is engaged too early, then you're not free. Right. Um, and that freedom is kind of where all the ideas come from. You know, the 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 editor is useful, but not till later. Right. You know, you don't want to squelch uh, a little seed that's just just started. You know, you don't want to like overwater it or underwater it. Mm-hmm. You gotta like. So I think. Those are different things about it. Like as I've gotten older, different approaches. But it's all just try to come up with some a song I'd like to hear. Right. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish there was a tried and true way to go at it, but there's really not. Everyone seems to have a a slightly different approach too. I asked the same question 
here a few weeks ago, Tepe from Thrice, mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, it's, he's like, we do it all of the ways. Like, yeah, any way well, you they're, can think they're, of it. They're kind of a unique uh, band in that they're, they're so musically proficient. Like, each, each one of those people in that band, mm-hmm. actually, they all play differently, you know, but, right. but each of them is very, very proficient at their instruments, so... Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine they do do it every single way. <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. With. They were like, any way you can think of, of writing a song, we've probably done it that way. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely tried many, many different ways, but I think the one the one through line would be you have to grab an acoustic guitar at some point and determine if it's working. If right. the melody's strong and if the lyric can come through. For me, that's the test. Mm-hmm. And um, if if it's sturdy there, then it probably will be sturdy when you add back in all the elements because sometimes you get to the song through the pedal or through the weird riff right through the thing that is not actually the song it's just the gateway into the song so it's a peculiar thing you're sort of like chasing i think leonard cohen said like you're chasing you're married to a mystery oh and that's i've not heard this something like that yeah and i think like in that same way it can be monk-like or a nun kind of thing like where you're like i'm i'm my, what i'm what i'm chasing is always elusive and it's always and it's something in in the ether right you know it's not the songs i've already written that to me that like someone else wrote those <laughs> like those are just what i'll play tonight so that we can all be together and do a thing right but the writing of it is like a chase it's like do you feel like uh, I mean, I I bet I know what the answer to this is going to be. You, you feel like it's a completely different person who wrote your old material than what it is now? Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> hopefully that, you know, you grow and change and mature. And um, I think that's a big reason when people ask, like, well, when are you going to do more loved ones? Or when are you going to do, why don't you play with Painted Black? Like, a lot of it for me is, like, I'm not that interested in going back. Like, I'll look back, but just for a minute. Right, you know, and I think with the band that we have here, I can play any of those loved one songs with a great band any night, and I don't have to be back in the framework. Like, I love those people. They all come to visit. I visit them. I love the guys in that band. When we're all together, you you um, regress and you talk about who you were ten years ago or whatever. Nobody really wants to do that, <laughs> especially because like those times for me were really steeped in in uh, like substance abuse and and like wild living and a lot of sadness and you know and a lot of madness right and it's just not the trip i'm on yeah you know it's not not the ride you want to take anymore no like i'm interested in chasing whatever the next song is you know like that to me is is where i'm at yeah. so so yeah i think um I hope that answers your question. I might be. I think con- so. Confusing you? <laughs> no, I'm. I think I, I'm on. I'm on the rabbit trail. I'm yeah, following yeah, yeah. it. But, um, not to get too deep into the sad, serious stuff. But substance abuse has been something that's come up on this show several times. Oh, really? Kind of unexpectedly. <laughs> well, people who like to buy expensive guitars <laughs> chase all kinds of thrills. This, this is true. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. No, no. The, when I bought so recently, I finally got a real junior. I was. I really want to talk about that. Okay, thing. so yeah. let's talk about yeah. it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're on tour with Bad Religion, mm-hmm. which is 
this is the second full run that we, Tim and I have done. Like we did a run just he and I as a duo mm-hmm. opening for Bad Religion, and then we they brought the band out. So it was Dave Haas and the Mermaid, and Bad Religion, and Brian Baker is an amazing guitar player. Mm-hmm. He's a gear guy. He's like one of those guys you want to be on tour with if you're into guitar, you know. Right. And he texted me. He said, "Hey, alert!" Like the text is something like, "Alert." There's a real legitimate one in a store five blocks from the venue. Oh, boy. You need to buy it. Or, or you need to really consider buying it. Because he's been after me. Like, why don't you buy yourself a real junior? Mm-hmm. You're sober. You're, you, you know, there's a certain amount of success now. Like, give yourself that treat. And yeah. I'm like, man, <laughs> now they're too expensive, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm like... Billy Joe bought all of them. Yeah, he, you know? he, he jacked the prices up. Yeah, or Brian did. Yeah, or you know? Brian, yeah. <laughs> Brian and Johnny Tubex. But anyway, so he was like, you, you really got to get one. They're, you know, you know the deal with these, right? And I'm like, yeah, of course. I just didn't buy one back then because I didn't have the dough. So this is a long story, but ultimately we're driving over there. And he was like, look, do you have cash? And I was like, I do. He was like, I don't have it on me. And he was like, I do. I'll loan you the cash. <laughs> And we're driving over there, and he was like, do you feel it? And I was like, what? He was like, because he and I, you know, he's also sober. Right. He was like, do you feel the rush? Like, we're, it's like we're going to do a drug deal. And I was like, oh, yeah, whoa, it is. Oh, wow. And, like, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up, because I was like, yeah, I'm amped right now. Like, my adrenaline's going. Like, we're going to go into a guitar store and hopefully get something that is going to make us feel high. And it was such a funny thing for him to bring up in the moment. Because I think to some degree, he was like, okay, slow down. Make sure this is a smart right. decision. It's a good investment. Like, you did just have twins. You know, this is an expensive guitar. Like, mm-hmm. let's talk through this. But it was really astute, his observation in that. Like, we both obviously have lots of that in our past. And that this is a remnant of that to some degree. That is so crazy because I know what you're talking about yeah. with the guitar part. <laughs> Fortunately, I never did fall into that. Oh, wow. Uh, but, uh, you know, she's right over there. That's a good reason not to, right? Uh, so, but I know what feeling you're talking about. Yeah. And I... That's and, the and feeling that's of cocaine. What, and if, that, if that's what <laughs> cocaine is, I now understand why people yeah. want to do it so badly. Yeah. It's just what you realize over time is you're the only one who feels like that. Everyone in the room is it's just like, bummed. Like, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it's not as cool as you think it is, man. No, no, no. It's mm. terrible. It's yeah. terrible. But, but uh, that's crazy because I know exactly what feeling you're talking about. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. So, like, so oh. that was kind of the way the junior came into the picture and... You know, Brian, it, br- watching Brian open the case and go over that guitar was so rad. Because mm-hmm. he's bought a, many of them. You know, yeah. he's, I think he's got half a dozen or so. And he's bought lots of old guitars. And he's really an aficionado on all this. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, could I open up the back? I want to look at the pots. And he just kind of gave me that not overzealous look, but that like... like I think you should do this. Like, this is, this is a legit. Make this happen. You know, and mm-hmm. I was like okay and didn't even have time to call my wife you know like it was like they were closing the shop they were like kind of these country do you know they knew what they were doing they knew what they had to some degree but Mm -hmm. um yeah it was a trip and so i finally have like the guitar i've wanted since the loved one you know since 2000 and maybe four wow so 
it was kind of a like a victory, you know. Like I, I looked at it that way. I was like, well, it took me 15 years to feel comfortable enough to make that kind of investment in a guitar. Whereas like lots of other people who do my job are like, yeah, get the guitar. You know, like <laughs> they've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, they don't even have to think but about I, it. I'm more of like a simple tools kind of guy. Like I'm not, I'm not into like extravagant. Well, the junior's perfect then. Yeah, well, yeah, but not the price tag. <laughs> no, no, no. So, like, my acoustics are 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 much more of the like working tools kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, like I don't. I love when a guitar gets beat on and oh yeah, and can be useful. You know, but well, I want to get into those acoustics too. But before we t- stray too far from the junior, what year is this? It's one? a 1956. 56. Nice. Yeah, I have a 55. So whoa. It, Mine was my grandpa's though, so whoa, that's even cooler. <laughs> I, didn't, I uh, it, that's my the house is on fire. Yeah, you can take one thing. Oh, oh my god! Know. So when when uh, what were the circumstances? My wife and I flew. Oh, we took our twins to meet everybody on the East Coast for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and fires started oh. to happen near because you know we're in California. Everything right. burns. It's an insane place to live, and uh, I texted my neighbor. I said, look. If you guys evacuate, don't worry about, like, just grab my safe mm-hmm. and there's a guitar. And I told, you know, told them where it was. I was like, she was like, we're good. Nothing's on fire. Like the wilderness is on fire. We're fine. But yeah, I, you're like, like, I actually hey. was like tripping on it because mm-hmm. because of that, which is a little bit of a reason maybe to not have, have it, <laughs> you know, because if you're that worried about a possession then it might be wrong. I don't know. Like I'm going through this weird thing since I bought it. Cause I'm it, like, it's just a tool to get the job done. And the value that's placed on it is for a reason, but it's overvalued in my opinion. Like, I don't think those guitars should be worth that. It's probably crazy. not for what they physically are. You're definitely paying for a uh, nostalgia in a lot of ways. You're paying and, for that mahogany. Yeah. That's what it is. That mm-hmm. mahogany sounds better than any other. It's because no one, they hadn't like, plundered the forest right you know like it was still in its infancy so Mm -hmm. i mean you could that wood is really what it is because even like those epiphones like tim's got a coronet Mm -hmm. that epiphone sounds incredible because it's the same mahogany oh that's an old that's an old coronet that he has yeah 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 yeah. i mean like to and i've like skirted around uh the junior thing for years in fact the last time we were on (laughs) north bad religion i bought an old epiphone um uh, Olympia mm-hmm. oh, because it's cool. the same mahogany yeah and it sounds really good you know if you put a p90 in that thing and like do a couple things to it it sounds great it's mostly that wood and I bought a 12 string on that tour like when we tour with bad religion it's dangerous because because <laughs> Brian is there and he's like you should you know you should go for it yeah just do it It'd and you know they're big successful rock stars so I'm like doesn't look that far away you know <laughs> they just play after us you yeah, know meanwhile it's 40 years more or something but yeah it's a dangerous situation against me was on the first run that we did and, mm-hmm. and uh james was the same way he was like like everybody was nerding out about guitars yeah and you're just like ah, i'm not quite there yet i'm almost there yeah i bought two on on the one tour and then i bought the most prized expensive guitar ever on the other tour so yeah but I guess next time we go out on tour with Bad Religion, I don't know what what'll happen. It's like, I I had to get the Holy Grail, you know. I right, just had right, to right. just yeah. get fifty nine less Paul. I just had to. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. Sure. Let's talk about your acoustics, though. What do you got? What are you playing? So, um, 
my dad had an old Alvarez that I knocked around on and it was really hard to play. And so I never really took to it. I mean, I would sort of just hammer out stuff on it until I got really into Billy Bragg. And that was right around the time of the band before the loved ones, Mm -hmm. the curse. And, um, and then I started and he got a Martin, he got a, um, D 18 that I was like, Whoa, this is a real guitar. You know, Mm -hmm. I, now I get it. Played that a little bit. Um, and then I guess it was, it was before that revival. So it was in maybe 2009 or 10, the financial crash had happened. And I, at, right in that, like during the loved ones, I was running a construction business too. Oh, okay. I was married and I owned two houses and ran a construction company and had the loved ones going. Oh, wow. And was like partying my ass off. So it was basically like all these fires were lit and I just ran around and poured alcohol on them <laughs> to try oh, no. to put them out. Um, so uh, by the time the, uh, the financial crisis hit, like our construction business, we, we just closed. Like there was no more work. Mm-hmm. And um, I got an offer to go tour uh, just by myself in through Canada with Matt from okay. Northcote. He had just started Northcote. This was in 2010. And um, I was like, well, I, there's no carpentry work. And the loved ones were kind of stalled out. Like we needed a break after 2008, 2009. We did very, very little. And um, and I was working and stuff and just trying to make ends meet. And then I got this offer to do this tour in 2010 and needed a suitable guitar. And my, my grandma had saved this like bond. She was like, oh, I'm going to give each of you a bond. Oh. Like a savings bond. Okay. And it was like a thousand bucks or something Mm -hmm. and all my sisters did whatever they wanted with it and i thought it was like oh i'm gonna invest in a tool that will make more money and my grandma was like i don't care what you do with it like (laughs) you know i was like look at me look i can i can turn this into a career you know yeah basically i took that and and bought a d35 Mm -hmm. that um i wrote all of resolutions on oh there you go did all the touring on on resolutions on all that revival tours that guitar and like that i'll net that's like a prized and to some degree that's like worth more to me than any other guitar right um and then this om i've been playing since 2017 uh martin lent to me as a like you know they were like oh i was like look i have all this promo stuff to do in europe can can you loan me a guitar that i can finger pick on oh gotcha. the d35 is a little bit more of a strummer and i just Never gave it back. <laughs> so that worked out good. So yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, Martin is don't, is or isn't listening to. I this. don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but no, my friend, my friend Mike works for them, and there's some fans in the Martin factory and stuff. So I'm, I think it's cool. Like they didn't ask for it back. So I mean, it's technically just still on loan. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's when they ask for it back. You know. Yeah. So I have the D35 that I I just keep at home now. It's a little hard to mix. It's like pretty boomy. It sounds great. But it's pretty boomy for sound guys that are used to mixing rock and roll, you know? Yeah. So uh, I just bring the OM. It's a little simpler. It's easier to finger pick. And then um, I I also was loaned. I don't know who. So my wife's grandma has a 1950, had a 1954 um, uh, parlor uh, nylon string, Martin. Okay. I, it's an OM as well. Like that kind of, but I'm not exactly sure. It, But it's amazing and that that guitar stays at home too that's like like the kids can't bang on that one or anything. <laughs> like, 
it's like a family heirloom of theirs and and so my wife's mom was like look you should play this like see if you can get some songs out of it so that those are like the three martins that i have that's so cool that i use yeah so they all kind of have a special um a special thing not, not so much the om other than it was free right <laughs> <laughs> like that was a nice thing of them to lend it to me and not ask for it back so like i kind of that's a very good price yeah, yeah yeah and and like we did all the bohemian philly touring on that and tim and i did all of like our duo touring in 2018 on that mm-hmm. and then all of the kick touring has been on that too so perfect yeah so those are my my three or four acoustics i have uh, a 12 string that's a Fender 12 string that a friend loaned to me when I got to Santa Barbara and never asked for it back. <laughs> You're going to do more with this than I am. So, um, I guess I don't really own any of these guitars. <laughs> they all sort of just ke- the first one. Yeah. Just, right. 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 But I was given that bond. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah. Grandma bought it for, but she got it for you. So it's all good. So, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess for me, it's like if the guitar is, it's, you know, they're all nice guitars. They all do their, their thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty simple as far as what I'm in the search of songs and tone is way down in terms of what I'm searching for. You Mm -hmm. know, like if I hone in on something like my guitar sounded great today and I was like, sweet, I'm not going to mess with it. Yeah. My guitar sounded terrible yesterday. And I think it was just simply that I had waited too long to change the strings. Mm -hmm. And we were in a weird club that had like sort of a vortex for mid-range and and high-end. It's weird how that changes so much. Oh, yeah, yeah, The location is so crazy. Um, But yeah, for me, like, uh, if I get it to sound good, I just kind of set it and forget it. That's like kind of the way I I look at it because Mm -hmm. I'm running after songs yeah you've got other things to do well yeah i would love to be at some point like that's what i was trying to do in the falcon a little bit was just play guitar you know and and it was fun Mm -hmm. you know like i could kind of nerd out like i mean if if i'm given the chance i will nerd out about it and i'll chase those other dragons but but in this endeavor and with the limited amount of time i have now i'm kind of like just chasing songs yeah just got to get get the ideas out there get the melodies out there yeah and and the, here's the thing like at this point if you've got a great piece of wood with a great pickup in it in a great old amp you're dialed you know like if true. you can't make that sound good you really need to start over and try figure out what's else. wrong with your fingers because so much of that work is done by those like wonderful instruments you know so mm-hmm. We didn't even get into the amps. We almost went to completely away from that. Yeah. What kind of amp are you playing? Well, I'm 65 Deluxe Fender, and admittedly, I'm I'm having amp modeler out with me mm-hmm. because I didn't want to bring my 65 out on the road. It's uh, understandable. It's a you know awesome black face. You know, it sounds incredible, and that Kemper modeler is like, it's so convenient and gives you a ton of options that I don't actually take full advantage of yet, but, um, there's a lot of stuff in there. Oh my God. And, and, and that was another Brian Baker influence purchase. He's running those in bad religion. Oh, he is. Yeah. And sort of, you got to get one of these, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I like it. I'm into it. I definitely feel like it's a great place to, kind of do what you were talking about earlier. Like if I'm, if I set that up in my home studio, 
I can like grab all these new sounds and even even if I can just go out and play a little bit uh, on the Eddie Van Halen settings, you right. know, just like <laughs> try to sound like him for a few minutes mm-hmm. or the edge or whatever. That's cool. But you can also sort of chase sonic landscapes for songwriting easier by just going to those preset, you know, model amps. Mm-hmm. And so I found that to be fun. I'm not totally sold on bringing it out on the road for good. Like we might get to Santa Barbara, like we're going down the coast. Right. And I might just push my 65 back into the van and have the modeler as the backup because, you know, they do, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference except for I can tell the difference. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've talked about that before on the podcast in the, like in the Facebook group that's tied to this show and on other things. I feel, I always have to explain this to guests because not everybody's plugged into this stuff, but like, I'm always just like modelers, boo, gross, but I don't actually feel that way. Like if well, I no, was doing I, what I, you do, no, I'm you with know? you. I, I, I fundamentally probably feel the same way, except, um, you can't argue with the utility at some point, though. That's the thing. Yeah. It, to me, it's more like 65 Deluxe got stolen. Boo. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Or constantly having to get an old amp worked on in you're in Dayton. I don't know who the hell the amp guy is there. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe I do in Dayton. But, but <laughs> right. you know For what example, I mean? For example, yeah. It, it becomes cumbersome and difficult. And frankly, like... If the Kemper gets stolen, it's like, well, that's it's, replace, a, it's, it's replaceable. It's a, a yeah. very replaceable. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is all of this stuff is very easily masked by, I, what am I trying to say here? I guess the simpler I can make it on them, the better chances we have. Yeah. You know, because you could have that great 65 and a sound guy who is... Uh, flirting with the girl next to him and the 57 in front of it has fallen off. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and what good does your 65 do then? You know, so in, to some degree, like the Kemper is a bit of insurance and I'm only just putting my feet into these waters. Like I'm not a hundred percent convinced. Yeah. Um, because I do have a really nice, I have a Jubilee, you know, like I have Ooh. some nice, awesome amps. I have a, you know, a Princeton, you know, like I have the amps that you want, but at a certain point, too, though, like, I don't have a ton of space. Mm-hmm. I don't want to keep spending between, you know, 1500 and $3,000 on an amplifier that I, you know, half the time I'm an acoustic performer, you know? So, <laughs> right. like, to keep buying, like, oh, I want an AC30. It's like, well, where am I going to put it? When am I going to ever even turn it it's up? It's a lot of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I think, like, some of this is just... It's it's funny when when I decided to buy a minivan in 2015. Oh, she, oh she's so, trying to talk me into that right now. And one of my friends was like, and, and the reason I bought it was like Tim and I were going to do all this duo touring, and I was like, I can either rent one or buy one and probably save a ton of money. Right, you know, exactly. We, we had a, like a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. and my friend was like, "How are you going to look cool pulling up to a club in a minivan?" <laughs> and I was like. Here's what here's what you don't understand. I'm gonna look cool taking my wife out for sushi at the end of the tour with all the money that I saved. <laughs> I don't give a shit. You know, like I don't give a shit about looking cool. And I think at a certain point, um, with with some of this stuff, practicality sets in, and 
um, and budget, you know, and sensibility. You know, like I, I know something's going to sound good every night. It's appealing to me instead of like, okay, I have to have this thing because everyone thinks it's cool. It's like, again, it comes back to songs. Yeah. People come here for the songs. Nobody's coming here for the 65. That's true. No one cares. No, you know, well, I mean, you care. I care. But you're not going to be like, <laughs> oh, he brought an amp modeler. Boo. And now I don't like, uh, if we could be kings anymore. You right. Know? Like, that's not what got people on in the first place. And I think, like, that's something I try to keep perspective on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we as players care way more than any of the listeners there's like yeah but i do think there's like there's a certain thing about the caring is cool Mm -hmm. the obsessiveness about it can get um to me like it can overpower the joy so i just try to keep all that stuff balanced it's hard keep it in check yeah Yeah. it's easy to run away and then you become me which is a dangerous (laughs) but you started a podcast and and that's a positive way to talk about all this knowledge that you this is true yeah this is true and i get to do things like this which are a lot of fun and not things i ever thought i would get to do so that's yeah, really I do fun. love when you're with gear people who are just joyful about it. They're mm-hmm. just like pumped on the stuff that they know. And it's like not judgy. You know, it's like, oh, this is what this does. And like, I love that energy. That's so much cooler to me than like, oh, that's not a cool thing. Like, don't play that. That's oh, yeah. Like, I'm know? so over that. I mean, I love like cheap pedals. Like yeah. old DOD things and things like I I love that stuff just as much as. You know, any well, of the other things yeah i mean the other thing to consider is is the last two records we made we made with a guy who owns like all these 60s ricks and and um like old old guitars like like mm-hmm. the stuff that the beatles were playing on that kind of like that's when he bought his guitars they're worth a fortune now and they're so hard to play they're oh, really like, oh my god those old rickenbackers are crazy and i i guess to me like those guitars weren't thousands of dollars then. No. They were cheap. And so that's why I hesitate to um, to give a whole lot of credence to, like, the boutique and, um, and like, and vintage. Well, I mean, the vintage part, some of that's true. But some of the stuff is just overblown. You know, some of it's just, like, supply and demand, mm-hmm. you know. Because I think a cheap guitar, you can write the best song anybody's ever heard on you know like there's something really cool about that to me it's true it's true i i mean there wasn't boutique back then no it was all being made kind of not it, it wasn't all being made the same way there was definitely some junk guitars but like there, there wasn't this like there wasn't very many like guys in their basements like soldering pedals and stuff no it just wasn't wasn't the same thing that it is now i'm glad that we have all the options yeah that we have now but you're yeah. right like bob dylan didn't need it so no. <laughs> no 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 he didn't he didn't he need didn't. it at all yeah i think all of it if you if you if you used as like um you know paints on a canvas that's that's the way to use it all mm-hmm. in, in my opinion that's kind of how i view it i think so but makes, but in that but i say that it's a little bit bullshit. like i have a real specific set of stuff that I think sounds good. Right. At the same time. Well, like I'm everyone this. has their favorite color. Right. Right. That's so, right. That's so, right. So yeah. That's, yeah. Fair. that's really what it is. That's fair. There was a question I got in the Facebook group earlier that I want to pull up here. So I'm just going to make small talk while I scroll through my phone and try to find it. Cause why would I be prepared? That's a silly thing to do. Actually, I'm going to Hey, Hey, one sec. Hey, Tim. I found it. 
I thought, okay. Oh, sorry. You, you yeah, need, no. You need, no, 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 that's fine. I just have to give the sound guy the playlist. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so uh, John Schick Jr., he wants to know if he was going to do a split with him and Brian Fallon covering each other's songs, what Fallon song would he want to cover and what song of his would he like to hear Fallon do? What song would Brian Schick want to cover of Brian? Of No, no, you. Oh, oh, me, yeah, oh, me. I'm just saying, oh, John, the pronouns John, were John confusing. Schick Jr. is who asked the question. Oh, I thought John, yeah. I was like, well, John Schick Jr., what, what's, what song no, would no, you no, like No, 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 it's like. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, got yeah, you. yeah. Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, probably that song, May. Oh, I love that song. That's a beautiful song, mm-hmm. yeah. We were on the revival tour together, and he came down from the back lounge. I was like, what do you think about this? I think this is going to open our next record. And it actually, you know, it didn't, but right. I was like, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. And I, I realized like, oh, all this time we're down here drinking and carrying on. He's like up there in the back lounge working. Mm-hmm. I was like, I got to get back to work. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Um, there's a song in his new record that uh, I can't remember the title. He sent it to me a couple months ago about his daughter that I think is really you know, oh, I don't know if we've got to hear that one yet. Oh man, live. yeah, it's it's a. Uh, He's slowly trickling them out there on us. Yeah, this one's my favorite from that batch. I can't remember the title, but the lyrics really good. It's really sweet. Cool. You know, like any songs about kids right now. I'm like, pumped and, on. yeah, yeah, pulls at the heartstrings. But probably May. Yeah. Okay, May. That's that's a great song. And then flip flopping that, which one of your songs would you want to hear him do? Um. I don't know. Maybe, maybe saboteurs. I, I sent him saboteurs, and he said like the nicest thing anyone said. He said, "We're all just trying to write Tom Petty songs, <laughs> and you actually did it." And I was like, "Whoa, thanks, man. That's that is funny." A, yeah, that was really sweet. That's that's the first thing I thought of when I heard that. Song. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's rad. I was yeah. Like, wow, this is kind of got a petty vibe. This is cool. Yeah, he was like, "You did it. You did it. I, I, none of us have done it, and you did it." I was like, "Oh, thanks, man. That's awesome. That's <laughs> great." I thought that that was. What did she? What did he say? Everlong. <laughs> he's Isn't four. Everlong like forty BPMs faster. Yeah, yeah. He, he's four. He doesn't. He doesn't know. Uh, he doesn't know. Yeah, it's, I was gonna. I was like Everlong. Where is he getting that one from? But huh? He'll learn. Everlong's good song. It, it, hey, it's a good oh, song take, to get confused. Take, with. Yeah, take the comparison. I, I think it was a compliment to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, definitely. Four-year-olds know best. When it comes to music, like they usually hone in on what's what's doing. He definitely knows what he likes. And yeah, yeah, it's funny how big of a blend it is between. We have a lot of uh, crossover, her and I do, mm-hmm. and what we enjoy. But then, like, she goes much more poppy than I do, and I go much more heavy than she does. Gotcha. And he's got this weird blend. He like will want to listen to ABBA, and he is legend. And oh the- <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that is. He is legend. Hey, one second, Tim. Yeah. Can you just give this to the sound guy? Um, the playlist. Yeah. J- no, it's just a link. I'm gonna shoot you the link to the to the playlist. Sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> no worries. That's the stuff that makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah, we are we are on tour. I don't really I I don't like cut much of that stuff out either. Yeah, because it's I, just I like suppose it's 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 the vibe. It's, it's proof we were actually 
here. Yeah. <laughs> we had one where the power was out in the venue and we we're in and out of a van. And we, I just left all that in because it was fun. Yeah. It was a good time. Um, I do. Uh, I'll, I'll text you. Um, I'm going to shoot you this link first. Okay. Sorry. No worries. So yeah, that I don't know. I think those would that'd be a fun split. Yeah, that'd be a good time. Lynn, did you have any questions you wanted to ask? I just put her on the spot. Now she's going to freeze like a deer in the headlights. They don't have to be gear related. No. <laughs> I mean, you can thank, he can thank me for this. That's true. She was she was like, make sure she's like, you got to message Dave. Message Dave. I was like, I'll okay, oh, I'll do cool. it. Thanks. I'll do I'm, it. I'm glad you did. Because I'm. A, yeah. On, I think it was Instagram. So. Oh, okay. I'm here for whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll see about. I haven't made the set list, so there's still time. There's still time. Let me just double check that the guest list is in. Um, otherwise, there'll be friends of ours standing outside. Oh. <laughs> uh. Yeah. That's it, Tim. You got those? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Thanks. Um. So wait, what was your question? What, what was your question? Yeah, what was your question? You didn't have a question. Oh. Okay. Well, what are you? You're, you're not going to be podcasting very good. Come on. I mean, I'm just more about like the kids and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about the kids. Yeah, yeah, the kids. Holy mackerel! Mm -hmm. I'm flying home at six in the morning tomorrow to see them. Oh man. The the drive obviously from Portland to California is long, and it's one of my favorite drives. But the band's going to do it. I'm going to dip home and. And see them for two days, and then then the tour really kind of starts, because yeah. then we're like gone, gone. Right, this is closer to home. Yeah, well, I will. I'll see them maybe the morning of Los Angeles, because yeah. that's only ninety miles away. But yeah. um, yeah, then we're gone for about two and a half weeks, which is the long. Well, no, some of the touring last year was a little longer, but yeah. I'm recalibrating some of that to, you know. To, to keep close to them to try to condense it as much as possible. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's hard. It's really like. I, I, I can't imagine. I, I being a stay-at-home mom. Just I, I, even going to the store, I'm like, okay, well, this is. This is too much. Hard for me to imagine what. Yeah. On, on that scale. It's hard. It's hard, and and I think that the the weirdest thing about it is that. It sort of requires a level of detachment that I'm not okay with. Mm -hmm. So I got to sort that out, yeah. you know. But I guess the, what I rest on is that, is, you know, the RZA from Wu-Tang Clan, he got asked this question. He tallied up all the time he would spend it with his kids if he had a 40-hour um, work week. Yeah. And he spends way more time with his kids. Right. than So I kind of lean on that because when I'm home, I'm with them, you know, the whole time. Yeah. And... uh yeah, it's it's wild. It's wild to be on this this part of the journey. <laughs> right now they don't know. Well, right, and that's what you know. Friends of mine have said. Chuck Reagan was like, "Honestly, man, it's going to be harder when they're telling you they don't want you to go." Oh. Because I was I was like lamenting it to him in the summer, and he was like, "I hate to tell you this, man, but mm. it's going to be worse. It's going to get worse." So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that'll all shake out. I mean, in my mind, I'll take them, and the more I think about that, the less 
it seems reasonable. You know, kids need structure and they need routine and touring routine is really boring. Yeah, for a kid, which kind of leads into something that I was just thinking about while we were talking about the kids. I feel like, not on purpose, but I'm definitely like pushing my musical interests on my sons like Uh just by somewhat by osmosis but also like no we're not gonna watch tv we're gonna put on a record now oh cool you know yeah yeah uh we don't probably do that as often as we should but like and it seems to be rubbing off on them and then i was thinking how much of that is are they responding to because we're kind of pushing it or how much is it is genuine interest and i don't know if if you've experienced anything like that Uh, they're still pretty young so it's hard to tell my kids are really little they're only 14 months so but they, there's definitely stuff they dance more to and less to. Mm-hmm. Um, and one seems more into bright eyes and one seems more into the bouncing souls, <laughs> you know, which is kind of a trip. Yeah, but they both love Lizzo and they both love um, Aretha Franklin. Nice. I, my thing initially, like in the first year, was like try to play as many of the classic performers and records as I could. Like mm-hmm. they've gotten a lot of the Beatles. Um, the Jackson Five, Stevie Wonder, Aretha Franklin. Like, I play them a lot of Patty Griffin and Brandy Carlisle and stuff like that. So, I try to keep it pretty rounded. I don't play them a lot of punk rock because I don't listen to a lot of punk rock to be honest. Like, I played them mm-hmm. the Souls and Alkaline Trio and stuff like that. But that actually gets played more by my wife than me. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, You've been overexposed. Yeah, and I mean it. Yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. I've spent so much time in those realms and. And, uh, but they've heard a lot of Tom Petty, which I can't be a bad thing. No, that can't be a bad yeah. thing. Yeah. So, um, that's kind of been my thing. I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm hesitant to push anything on them. I'm just trying to, you know, live my life and have them be as much of the guiding light in that life as possible. So whatever rubs off on them, great. Mm-hmm. Whatever doesn't, that's cool too. You know, like, I guess to some degree, like, you know, I was 15, I'm 15 years older than my brother, Tim. And there was plenty of stuff I tried to turn him on to that he got into. And there was plenty of stuff that he didn't, you know, like he hears half the stuff, like the hardcore music that I still think is cool. And he's like, please, I beg of you to turn this off. (laughs) So, you know, everybody responds differently to that stuff and it shakes out how it shakes out. But, but, Oh, yeah. I mean, but, but, you know, to some degree, also sports. Like, I think it would be great if they got involved more in sports than I was just because I think it teaches you a lot of valuable lessons that I didn't really see then. And, uh, but, yeah, I'm hesitant to push anything on them because um, I got so much stuff pushed on me, you know, in terms of, like, religion and stuff like that. But... I think with music, it's been such a positive force in my life that hopefully um, it's something that we can we can all enjoy together. Um, I don't know if they'll be as obsessive about it as I am or, or as like... Maybe, maybe you don't want that part, but... Maybe though, like, I mean, that's been a really wonderful thing to, to have in a, in a dark world, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. is to have that like really passionate, intense relationship with, with music. Um, so yeah, whatever kind of, whatever makes life better for them is I'm cool with, you know? Yeah, that's a good way 
That's a good way to be. Whatever your whatever your ends up making you as happy as music makes me. Yeah, I don't. The, the you goal. know, I mean, I would probably opt for no limb biscuit, but hey, you know. But I mean, <laughs> I, even then, I'd be like, okay, I guess we're going through this. You know. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Yeah. I, again, like I even said that I was like, that's exactly what they'll gravitate towards if, yeah. if you make a big deal out of yeah, it. You know. So, yeah, I don't know. Just um, don't say Fred Durst's name three times and he won't show up. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they'll both have like little red hats on. But, <laughs> Chainsaw. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, as far as the gear stuff goes, though, like related to them, like. It's funny. I'll let them pretty much bang on almost any guitar that's around. Mm -hmm. Like that's a big thing for me is like not to be sacred with those things. You know, like, like, oh yeah, I let my my kids play my piano and like I let them like beat on uh, that 1954 Martin like they've had on the floor. That's a little crazy, but and the juniors kind of away from them. But but I don't like to me. I I would love it if they just approach those things like wow these are these are the tools of the trade you know like and i can touch them and i can you know yeah. be part of this thing yeah, like it's not it's not only dad's thing no that's that's not the way i look at it you know my dad was more like that and you know his stuff is all really still nice yeah. that's the difference <laughs> half of my stuff is like falling apart and yeah there's pro- right balance is always the the desired goal but yeah we well, not we, but my dad and mom got our both of our boys' guitars. They are not old enough to even know how to play them at all. But I'm like, here, this is yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, Fender. But they're actually decent guitars. So yeah, my buddy at Fender sent two ukuleles for nice one for each boy when they were born. It was so sweet. That's so cool. Um, and so they they bang on those a little bit. But I'm actually the only reason to keep the guitars away from them is because like the strings at the end, they're very they're sharp. Cut are sharp, and their little tiny fingers, like I don't want them to cut I mean, themselves. We've all got one of those under our fingernail at one time. Oh my god! It's like it's ah, it's the worst. It's just crippling. It yeah, shanks you right under the fingernail. Oh my god, it's crazy. It's so bad. It's yeah. insane how bad that hurts. Yeah. Well, we are getting pretty close to the end of this thing, and I got a couple classic questions okay, that shoot. I need to ask before yeah. we wrap this up. So, the first one, well, actually, there's three things we need to do. The first one is, this is kind of your shot to say whatever you want. You're on tour right now. This is going to come out while you're still on tour. Or if there's just anything you've been wanting to get off your chest to the world and have a <laughs> few few thousand people listen to it, this is um, your chance to put up a billboard. Yeah, I'm not really that much of a billboard guy. I mean, I hope that liberal democracy stays alive within the course of the next year. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I don't think that'll be that divisive a thing to say on a guitar podcast. No, but you I don't just think so. Never know. I don't. Um, think so. But no, I I uh, I love that there's a there's a guitar tone podcast. That's so cool <laughs> to me because. I love guitars and and um that's what we do you yeah. know and it does to some degree feel commercially like a dying art or something you know like it feels more like we're playing jazz than it does we're playing like today's music right you know so i think anything that helps support that and and celebrates that is cool like being able to talk about guitars and and guitar heroes and stuff like that is 
so rad. You know, like um, uh, Brittany Howard. It's oh, like you know the fact that she's, I want her on so bad. Oh my god, <laughs> she's amazing. I'm going to see her when when we get home from this tour, and like the fact that she's more at the center of the zeitgeist mm-hmm. and playing that awesome SG yes is so cool to me mm-hmm. so um but yeah I don't know I'm 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 glad that you guys asked me to be on and well, glad that this exists and well, thanks man we are always touring and we bring our guitars yes <laughs> come see them yeah well uh yeah we'll make sure and put the link to your website for all those that information in the show notes so people can track that down yeah easy. I think it's just davehaas.com so h-a-u-s-e and that'll have uh, you know all the stuff that we're up to, and you can you know get find links to the records and so on and so forth. But um, yeah, it, keep it simple and and get weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's oh man, that could be a new tagline for this show. <laughs> keep it simple and get weird. I like it. All right, we'll get into the the last couple questions here. So the first one is, what is your favorite boss pedal if you have one? Oh. Um, favorite boss pedal would have to be the simple distortion pedal. The S1? Yeah, the yeah. orange one. It's awesome. That my friend Dave Adolf stole from me. He still has it, and he claims that he didn't steal it, but I think hmm. he took it from me. Um, Yeah, probably that one. That it, was the first one I got. The DS1's great. And I loved having it. I, don't, I haven't played through one of them in like... Maybe 15 years, but that one got me so pumped. It's it's a great pedal. It kind of got like put to the wayside during the yeah. first uh, like the boutique thing when it first came out. But I did a thing on Instagram probably six months ago where I took my baritone and plugged into it. Oh, cool! I, was, I didn't show. I was like, guys, guess what pedal this is? And I just played some stonery riffs. You yeah, know? yeah. And a lot of people that was well, a big muff. Oh, that what is that? You know? And then it's like. It's the DS1, everybody. Yeah, so, that thing's cool. It's a good pedal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would probably be it. Okay, good call. Yeah, I don't know how much I would use it right now, but right. I guess for usefulness, it would probably be the, the digital delay mm-hmm. one, like the classic. Yeah, the I, DD3 or DD3, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. you can do so much stuff with it. Yeah, and it just does it does what you need it to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Do, I mean, boss pedals are the ones, you know? Like, I love all these boutique ones, and I'd love to try them out, but... In my mind, those are kind of like the gold standards. Like those are like the strats and tellies of pedals. Well, they they really kind of started it. They, like, yeah, right, right, right. You know, they, exactly. They they were the first to make one that you could drop off a building and it's still gonna work. Yeah, exactly. And they sound great and right, and everything's a well, hundred bucks. Yeah, you it's know, great. It's, yeah, good answer. All right, this is the last question. This is probably a lot more divisive than anything you've said. Uh-oh. You know, because this is this is a hot hot button issue. Okay, what's your favorite kind of pizza? East Coast pizza. East Coast. Yeah, there's no other kind of pizza. Well, what, what, what from which, which city? There's a lot of. Cities well, I mean, everywhere Coast. from Connecticut down through. Mm, I mean, I'm not even going to put Delaware on there. Okay. Maybe, I'll, maybe Delaware. No, 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 no Delaware. No Delaware. No. So yeah, <laughs> basically from Philly up to Connecticut. Okay. There's good pizza. All right, sweet. And then there's passable pizza throughout. America, mm-hmm. you know, this is pizza we're talking about. It's yeah. a delicious treat anywhere you get it, mm-hmm. but it's done the way that people want it. Celebrated the world over on the East Coast. I agree. Mostly New York City and New Jersey. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But yeah, Philly has great pizza. 
tons of it. I will say in this town, I know you're not going to have time to go find this because you got work to do, but mm-hmm. next time you're coming through, okay, I got to show you some spots. Pizza po- spots? Ask Brian about it. I All took, right. Yeah, yeah, he was he was shocked. I he well, was, listen, California has everything but pizza. <laughs> they do pizza terribly. There's one good shop where I live, and oh. it's like artisanal pizza, so oh, it yeah. almost doesn't count, you know, because it's like it's 15 bucks. Right. It's like a wood-fired thing or something. Right. I love that right. stuff, but it's I not do the too. same thing. That's not the same thing. No. And, you know, it's kind of like Mexican food in, in the Philadelphia area. Like, it's good, but it's expensive, so you're sort of not getting... It's not, it's not the same comparable. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, further away indeed. But, yeah, pizza would have to be East Coast. All right. I like that. Well, that sounds like a good way to wrap up this podcast. So thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was Man, lovely was to, to talk with you guys. I'm stoked to who, uh, watch the show. This is going to yeah. be fun. Hopefully we don't disappoint. All Hopefully right. it's, the tones are, are right on. The sound check was good. So okay, I, mean, good. You, I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. All right. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming. Right on. All right. For Dave and Lynn, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, we did it. That's another one in the can. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for this episode. I know it kind of feels like a whole different world than what we're living in today. It's kind of insane, Um, but it's comforting at the same time. We are going to get back to that. I know that everything is going to work itself out, and we're going to be in venues watching rock shows again, and I'm very excited to be doing that. Again, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but please go to pedalraffle.com so you can see how the gear community has banded together to help two really important organizations doing very important work in the city of Minneapolis. I won't go into all the details because I already have on previous episodes, but please go to pedalraffle.com. Check that out. All that is ending this Friday. And yeah, if you'd like to support the show, please... Leave a review on iTunes or whatever streaming platform you are listening to this on. Share it with a friend. I know all of your podcast hosts beg you to share this with your friends and your community, but I'm dead serious. It helps so much. New listeners is the most important thing for any podcast, and you know this is a totally independent medium, and I like to think that the ears mean a little bit more over here. I'm just one dude doing his thing trying to get this content out into the world for you all to enjoy. And uh, yeah, I hope you did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun for me to produce and I want to keep doing it. And I can't do that without you listeners. Seriously, thank you so much for tuning in to this point. There are a million things you could be listening to right now and I'm very happy you chose this podcast. So please share this with somebody you care about. All right, until then, please go check out Dave's music and maybe download another episode of this while you're doing whatever you're doing. All right, I'm tired and rambling. Good night, folks. See you on the other side. And by the other side, I mean next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things. And by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, 
You need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com slash stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.